How's it, guys? I'd like to thank you so much for inviting me into your homes today. What an awesome thing. And if I am a stranger to you, my name is Debbie, and it's really great to be with you today. Um, it really is an unprecedented time that we're in at the moment, is it not? I mean, who would have thought two weeks ago that we would have found ourselves today on day three of a full national lockdown? And I really hope that lockdown is going well for you. Um, I'm not sure how you're feeling about all of this. I find that myself, I actually am feeling strangely excited about the season we're in. Um, I told my husband that the other day, and um, I f we were in the shops, and I felt like I actually had to hush my tone because it feels a little bit weird and wrong almost to be, to be excited in a, in a season that is so hectic and, and tragic, actually. Um, but I guess for me, I just feel that it's such a big moment. Um, it's, it's a moment in history, and it, it's things that our children are going to be learning about in history lessons um, later on. And, and I'm an adult. Everything else I feel that's happened in history, you know, I've been a, a kid or whatever, and I'm an adult. I get to tell a story in this. And, um, and I guess that excites me. I think the other thing that excites me is that we just have so much time. And time is such a precious commodity. Um, and, you know, I know that this time feels a little bit weird and, and we're in what feels like a bit of a state of limbo. But um, I feel this responsibility to use this time well. It's like we've been given this gift of time and we need to use it wisely because, because we've given, been given this under really extreme circumstances um, at a severe cost. But we have been given this gift of time nonetheless. And so we need to make sure that we'll use it well. Um, and so the title of this message is Look In. Um, surely we find ourselves with a completely unique opportunity to introspect at this time. Um, it's a chance for us to evaluate our habits and our relationships. It's a chance for us to evaluate the state of our souls. It's a chance for us to perhaps make some choices or to make some changes. Um, it seems in so many ways that the world has gone crazy around us. But maybe this is a time when we can reflect on how crazy our normal world actually is. And we can make some decisions on how we want to live rather than simply how we've come to live. Like perhaps our normal is nothing like how we aspire to live. If we think about you know, our younger selves and their dreams and aspirations that they had for life, you know, perhaps... They looked forward at what they imagined their family would look like, their job would look like, their attitudes, their life. Maybe we're not living anything like that. Have we somehow slid off course over the last however many years? And isn't this the perfect time to make some adjustments? When we return to normal, whatever that will look like, if we correctly make adjustments now in this gift that we've been given, we would come to a place where we've edited ourselves, where we've positioned ourselves to be better people, not just for ourselves or for our family members, our spouses, our kids, but for the world, so that we can make more of a contribution to the world, to become the kind of human being that, that makes the world better simply because of our inclusion in it. I would love for this season, this gift of time, to come out with such a positive at the end of it. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the gift in this completely unique time? And what will our gift be to the world because of this 
completely unique time. We've got a story. We can write our own story right now. Over the last bunch of, of weeks, I've been contemplating on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I was a youth pastor for many years, and I think when you're dealing with teenagers, um, the, the, you tend to speak about the patterns of the world as things that are kind of in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of arenas. Like those are the biggies for uh, people in that phase of life. But I've, I've come aware, become aware of myself that some of the patterns of this world, I believe, have really snuck into my way of living and my way of thinking. They're way more subtle. And they're just like in so many ways the norm. And so we don't think that we would possibly need to transform from these things. And I want to challenge us on three of those things today. Our pace, our value, and our stability. The first area of pace, I've been on quite a journey on this one for probably about you know, since September last year, I went on sabbatical and have really been processing this for quite a long time. I, I think I just got tired of the standard answer to any question being, I'm tired, I'm busy, or both. And I started to really examine if these answers are just a result of, of my stage of life at the moment, or if there are some fundamental choices I am making or beliefs that I'm following that are leading me to these answers. And I started to question if these choices or beliefs are wise, are good for me, and, and are even vaguely biblical. And I learned a bunch of lessons last year. They, it, was, it was really good for me. We made some changes to the tone of our family. Um, we made some changes to our lifestyle. It was a really great phase. And then 2020 hit. <laughs> um, yo, it was a whirlwind. We arrived back from leave at the beginning of January and literally hit the ground sprinting. Our life that is generally quite full was completely overflowing, but not in the good, like it's overflowing kind of sense, in that sense where I didn't think that I would need a basket, and now I'm carrying 13 items around the shop, kind of overflowing where things are just, you're just managing to hold on and keep things from falling. And right at that point, I was doing a workshop at church um, around the topic of managing your world, and ironically, it was on the topic of time. And so I started the workshop by stating that I was, in fact, a hypocrite. <laughs> but I realized as the words tumbled out my mouth that God had taught me these principles a few months earlier and that I needed to reapply those same principles into this new season that I found myself in. And so I decided to do that. I also happened to be turning 40 this year. And um, I'm all about marking moments, you know. So I was thinking, what should I do as I lead into 40? You know, 40 is a big, a big moment. And so I really like the sound of 40 to 40. And so I thought I'm going to do something leading into my 40th birthday. Now, my natural inclination as an achiever is to think of 40 new things that I could experience or try or achieve every day leading up to 40. <laughs> now, 40 is quite a lot of things to think of, new things to think of, and so I, I ditched that idea. And also because of the lessons that I had learned in the, in the previous year, I decided what I was going to do this year was I was going to slow into 40. I was going to practice 40 different ways of slowing down 
one every day. And it's been such a rad journey. I've been documenting it on Instagram. Some of you might have followed some of it. I'm actually nearing the end of it. I've got four days left. And um, just for the record, the last weeks have been a bit of a challenge to find new things to do in the confines of our own home. Um, and I know it's kind of cheesy. For the record, I love cheesy. I'm, I'm a fan of cheesy. But these lessons and these practices, although cheesy and quite small, have really saved me. My life is still busy and full, but in a season where, in all honesty, I should be burnt out, or at least very close to, I've found that my soul is in such a healthy place. And it's because of a change of pace. It's because I've taken some time to just slow down and be still. Taken some time to pause and reflect to breathe, and to reset, to stop, and to just be present. I've been led over and over to that scripture from Luke that says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And how often do we hear stories of people who are living at such a pace and their lives look really successful. We might even say that they have gained the whole world. But at what cost? The cost of their families, the cost of their health, perhaps the cost of their very souls. And so one of the key things that I've learned over this time that I really want to share with you today, and I would like to thank John Mark Comer because he's, been, he's an author and a speaker and he's been a great inspiration to me. I want to encourage you to consider this. There is nothing wrong with a full life or a busy life. There is nothing wrong with wanting to live a life of purpose and effectiveness. We want to live lives like that. But I think where we err in society is when we live a life of hurry. I think we err in society when we live a life of hurry. You know, in our world, we idolize busyness. We, we, when we work overtime, it's something that's praised. We rush around all the time. That's the complete norm, and we've been taught to say yes to everything and make the most of every opportunity. You know, if you rest, you're considered lazy. There's just not any time, quite frankly, for recreation or for play. Have we bought into a cult of speed? Writers around spiritual disciplines have started writing recently on the discipline of slowing down. You know, slowing is not a new thing, but it's a newly necessary thing in our world to become a discipline to make us more like Jesus. Slowing down. If you think about it, our forefather's idea of lightning speed was horseback, <laughs> if you think about that. And obviously speed has just increased since then, the invention of the train and then the car and aeroplane. And now everything is literally at the speed of light. Instant and immediate is completely the norm. Life is so fast. Dallas Willard said that the greatest enemy of our spiritual life today is hurry. The greatest enemy of our spiritual life today is hurry. People are just too busy and too rushed to live emotionally healthy and spiritually awake lives. 
I don't know who said this, but they're a genius. They said, hurry is a form of violence on the soul. Essentially, it's a form of neglect on the soul because the things a healthy soul needs cannot happen in a hurry. Dallas Willard continued to say that we need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our daily lives. Why? Well, hurry is incompatible with God's kingdom. It's quite a hectic statement. Hurry is incompatible with God's kingdom. If you think about it, if you think about it, the currency of God's kingdom are things like love and joy and peace. Hurry is incompatible with these things. How loving are you when you're in a hurry? I'm not. How joyful and grateful and present to the moment are you when you are in a hurry? How much peace do you experience? And the people around you, how much peace do they experience when you are in a hurry? Hurry is incompatible with these things. And these are the things that God says are central to life in his kingdom. Hurry is incompatible with God's kingdom. We need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our daily lives. You know what? We've been given a gift of time. And we've been forced right now to change our pace. And maybe now is the time to look in. Maybe now is the time to decide how you want to live. And I want to encourage you to use this gift to slow down. Not just in your physical pace, but to slow down your mind, and to slow down your soul, and to slow down your spirituality. Be with Jesus. And learn from Jesus. He had purpose. He changed the world. He was efficient. He was in demand. But it seems that he was never in a hurry. Could we look in? Could we make some changes? Maybe scrutinize your schedule. Have some hard conversations with family members. Perhaps ask for forgiveness. Could we come up with a new normal? A new way forward? And do the things that we need to do that we always say we don't have time to do. We have nowhere to rush off to. It's with hardship that we've received this gift of time. Let's make it count. The second thing I want to remind us of today is our value, or challenge us on today is our value. You know, a while ago, my daughter came home from school and I asked her, like I do every day, how her day was. And she looked at me and she said, not that good, mom. And I said, why? She said, well, today two girls told me that I'm yucky. This gives you a bit of a hint into her age at the time. The little thing was four years old. So anyway, I looked at her and I told her, covering over my minor panic of four-year-old bullying, um, I told her that these girls must be very confused because they think you're something that you're actually not, so they must be really confused. And I told her that, you know what, I have known you for your whole life, all four years of it, and even when you were inside my tummy. And so I know you way better than those other girls know you. A little bit after that, I asked her, do you think that you're yucky? And she said, no. And I said, why? <laughs> she said, mom, because you just told me that, and you know. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. But it does lead me to the question of where we find our value. Who gets to tell us? Who gets to tell us who we are and what worth we have? And perhaps could this be another pattern of the world that is snuck in. A misguided belief 
regarding our worth. Now, where do we find our worth? I think in so many senses we're told that it's found in success or in productivity. And we're told that, that you know, we only have worth as much as we have to offer, as much as we can produce. And perhaps we've come to believe this. Perhaps we find value in appearance, what I wear or what I put out there. And so I'm constantly worrying about what I look like and what people think. And so I portray this person that I believe is my worth. Or am I worth what I own? My car, my house, my wealth. You know, and so we come to this place where we work harder and harder just to keep up or maybe establish this lifestyle that I've come to believe represents my worth. Once again, we've been thrust into an interesting season where many of us are not able to produce. We are largely at home with nobody to impress. And our wealth either is or isn't, but we don't have anyone to show it off to or hide it from. And some of us may find that we are really struggling in this time to feel valuable. We're struggling with a feeling of worthlessness. Where is my value found? In worth, in wealth, in status, in your family, in your job title? Well, you might, you might say obviously no. But don't we judge people or assign worth according to these things every single day? You know, who is worth my time? The laborer or the lawyer? Who will I go the extra mile for, the cashier or the caregiver? Who's worth my admiration, the guy in the Maserati or in the Mitsubishi? Whose opinion will I consider, the PhD or the primary school pass? We do it all the time. We assign worth because of these things, and society does it all the time, and so we have come to believe it. I'm only worth what I can offer, what I can produce, what letters come after my name, or what labels I wear on my clothes. No. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Before we had anything to offer, he created us. He loved us. He died for us. He called us his children and he gave us a purpose and an identity. We have worth simply because God assigned it to us. And perhaps we need to use this gift of time to look in, to see if there are any lies that we have started to believe. Perhaps we need to take time to draw near to the one who created us. In his own image, might I add, and allow him to remind us who we are. There's been a quote I've seen a few times since the beginning of COVID 19. Uh, it looks at how to deal with this time we have. 
And Emma Zek says the following. She says, what you can do instead is observe this pause as an opportunity. The same systems we see crumbling in our society are being called to crumble in each of us individually. The systems that taught us that we are machines that live to produce and we are disposable if we are not doing so. The systems that taught us monetary game takes priority over humanity. The systems that create our insecurities and then capitalize off them. These are the things that need to crumble in each of us. We need to renew our minds. And so let's use this time to allow God to remind us of the truth. And let's take the time to choose to believe him. Because he said it. And he knows. It's with hardship that we've received this gift of time. So let's make it count. Before I share with you one last area we can look in on, I want to share with you one of the best moments of my life, actually. In, in 2008, a group of us went on a mission trip to Rwanda. And um, because we knew we were going to be there, a few of us decided to save up quite a lot of money and go and see the gorillas. It was an believable. The gorillas were so close to us. You're not allowed to go within seven meters, but if they come to you, that's absolutely fine. One of the little babies that was playing around up in a tree um, literally fell on my friend's foot. That's how close we were to these gorillas. It was spectacularly beautiful. One of the best moments of my life. I can't actually explain it to you um, without you experiencing it yourself. So there were four of us and three guides, seven of us in total, and I was walking at the back of the group. And just to, just to put a little bit of context, that's not a manicured path. You know, we're not, there's no path at all, really. We're not talking eco-trail here in Westville. We, we, we make our own path as you walk. That's why you've got guides, you've got machetes, and you kind of create your own path as you're going through the jungle. And... Um, let me explain one other thing, that the jungle floor is not um, grass, <laughs> it's not sand, it's not even mud. It is so thick that you are literally walking on jungle. There's vines and bushes all around you and they're under you and sometimes when you step your foot goes right through um, a little hole in the greenery. But most of the time it's pretty sturdy to stand on, but you're standing on these vines, you're standing on jungle. Um, an example of how thick it was, my friend dropped her camera right next to her, just right next to her on the floor. And um, it took us 35 minutes to find it because it had gone down, down. We took our machetes and we're cutting away and our guides were amazing. They wouldn't let us leave it. So anyway, as we're walking along, I, I hear this little noise behind me. And I turned around to see this gigantic gorilla. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate. Its head was probably this big. It was Gigantic. Anyway, so I just tapped the guard in front of me very calmly, and I, I asked him, um, is, that, is that the silverback? You know, we assumed the silverback was in the front of the troop, but, you know, maybe this is him right here. The silver hair on his back did give me a bit of a clue. Anyway, the man immediately started pushing me out the way. Now, remember what I'm standing on. It's not firm. Um, he ushers me out of the way, and my feet literally had nowhere to go. I was standing on, I, I don't even know what I was standing on, but it wasn't my primary focal point with the silverback uh, making a bit of display literally two meters away from me. Um, anyway, so all I could do was grab onto the arm of, of my guide, and he, he literally just moved me with him. And we watched the silverback literally just launch next to us, made this big display. I think he was kind of just saying to us, this is my family, as long as you know that, that's all good. And then he walked off peacefully. It was amazing. 
It was, it was such an incredible experience. It was un unbelievable. The reason I tell you this story is because the last area I want to encourage us to look in on is what we are standing on. Where is our foundation? Where is our stability? Once again, we have been thrust into an unprecedented time where we have very little clarity on anything, to be perfectly frank. There's so much that is shaky right now. There's stuff that we feel is collapsing around, of, uh, around us, and a lot of us are probably a bit worried that we might collapse as well. The only way that we can stand firm in a time like this is to work out what we are standing on. Where do we find our stability? You know, fear and anxiety are things that can almost tangibly be felt right now. Uncertainty is a complete reality. We don't know what will happen. We don't know how long this thing's going to go on for. We don't know when or what or how. And please can I emphasize something, that however you are feeling right now, it is okay to feel like that. However you are feeling right now, it is okay to feel like that. But can I also emphasize something else? In a time of complete uncertainty, wouldn't it make sense to stand on something certain? In a time of complete instability, wouldn't it make sense to stand on something stable? In a time of rapid and unpredictable change, wouldn't it make sense to stand on something unchanging? On someone unchanging, someone stable, on someone certain. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. I don't have any questions any answers to the many questions. But I do know this. When your feet have nothing to stand on, when the ground beneath you is full of holes and there's nowhere sturdy to place your foot, grab onto the arm of your guide and he will move you with him. It is the best place to be. It's the only place to be. It is a place of security within turmoil. It's a place where you can go with all of your anxiety and fear. He is big and he is trustworthy. Look in. What are you standing on? What brings you stability? Is it yourself? Is it your wealth? Is it your position or your family? Is finding security in these things another pattern of the world that we just expect them to stay firm and then our world crashes when they fail? Where have you placed your trust? And is that thing eternally stable? Perhaps it's time for a shift. Perhaps it is time for you to come to God and put your trust in Him again. Maybe for the very first time. Take some time. We've got it. It's a gift. Introspect. Have some challenging conversations with Jesus. And take the next few weeks to position yourself firmly on the rock. 
It's with hardship that we've received this gift of time, so let's make it count. So guys, what is our story going to be in the end of all of this? Let's take this week at least, or this season, to truly look in. Let's look in at our pace. Is it compromising your soul? Let's look in at our value. Do we believe what God says? Let's look in at our stability. Will we stand on the rock? Let's use this gift of time and make some life-altering changes. Let's make sure that we make this time count. What is the gift in this time? And what will our gift to the world be because of this time? Let's pray together. God, we want to thank you that you are unchanging, that you are reliable, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that we can stand on you. God, we want to thank you that because of that, our worth doesn't change in changing seasons because you've assigned it to us and you stay the same. And God, we ask that in this time, in this really challenging time, God, that you would help us to look in in a really healthy way. Not to get so introspective that we only focus on ourselves, but to do it in a way that we make ourselves better for you, for our world. God, help us to slow down, help us to use this gift of time. We thank you for this time. And in the midst of of confusion and chaos, which also we bring to you, we bring ourselves to you as well. We ask that you would change us, that you would edit us, and that we would be able to present ourselves as a gift to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.